It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217 356 9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling Text Line 217 351 5357. You can also email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning once again, everybody, and welcome to Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're off and running with the phone line open, 217-356-9397, and we're here with you until 1045-ish. Illinois Volleyball on the air at that time with an 11 o'clock match against uh, North Texas over in Normal, Illinois, after the Illinois Volleyball team swept a couple of matches yesterday. We've got plenty to talk about. Mr. Tate's here after a late night at Memorial Stadium following that Maryland 20-17 win over the Fighting Illini. And if you didn't have time or didn't stay up to uh, voice your opinion on uh, that football game, we'd love to hear from you this morning. How you doing there, buddy? Well, I'm doing okay. I just uh, feel like the game just ended. What's your take? My take is uh, the last five minutes happened. <laughs> Could <laughs> they, they avoid the last five minutes? Yeah, they they kind of self-destructed uh, down the stretch there in the last five minutes. And, uh, you know, you and I, when we left the, the uh, stadium shortly before 1 o'clock this morning, we were talking about the fourth and one. And uh, people will talk and write about that uh, throughout uh, the next few days. But uh, I think you and I agreed that, in hindsight, maybe not even in hindsight, we were we were for going for it at that time, but uh, they didn't do it. And most coaches would probably do the same thing. Yeah, I think most coaches would. Uh, I, the thing about there was five minutes to go, and you're on their 40-yard line, and you've already discussed on the sideline that you are now four-down territory, but evidently you're not when you, you decide not to go on fourth and one. Fourth and one on their 40 with uh, – about almost exactly five minutes to go. So if you make the first down, you can then run more clock, and you're also within just a few yards of McCourt's. You don't even have to make a first down to get in within McCourt's range. And uh, that would clinch the game, surely. I mean, if you had a 10-point lead instead of a 7-point lead. So you have a 7-point lead, and it reminded so much of the 28-21 lead that Illinois had on Ohio State. Uh, back in 2007 when they had a fourth and one on their own 33-yard line and they got a timeout. I think Ohio State called the timeout, which was lucky for Illinois because that gave Juice a chance to go over and talk to Zook. By the way, Zook is on that other sideline last night. One key factor there is Illinois had Juice. They also had uh, Richard Mendenhall in that backfield too. Yeah, but he he snuck the ball for two yards in the first down and – I'm not saying that Illinois should have run a sneak. I'm not saying what they should have run. I just know that if you make a first down, you increase your odds of winning to like 90% because you have the ball in their territory almost within field goal range and, you know, in a chance to, to put the game away. And Illinois punted. And my thinking is that whether Maryland had to go 60 yards, which was how far they would have had to go if, the fourth down uh, run had failed, or if they got to go 80 yards or whatever that might be, uh, it, what's the difference? 
once they get rolling, it was impossible to stop them. I don't think there was any doubt in the stadium, at least in the press box, that uh, Maryland was going to go down the field and score. And uh, they certainly did that. And uh, although Illinois did a decent job uh, throughout the game, through the. Well, yeah. And, and how much of that you're feeling uh, goes back to history with what we see <laughs> you know i mean we you know it was this yeah this was bielema's game right here to win or lose and and i don't think maybe he felt like you and i felt we've just seen it so often that when you lose your momentum there and you kick the ball what, what look at it this way what did loxley and zook want they wanted the football they didn't care where they had it they just wanted the football they got those receivers wide open there during that uh, the last four or five minutes of the ball game. Let's uh, go to the phones. We've got the lines open. If you'd like to uh, jump in, we'd love to hear from you. Mike in Champaign, go ahead. You're on the air. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Hey, listen, you know, I think uh, kind of watching last night's game and, and kind of watching the entirety of this season, um, you know, something that has become kind of abundantly clear to me, especially against these, uh, these Power 5 teams, is just that talent differential. Now, I think, you know, you look at that offense, and I understand people are kind of criticizing Peterson. I, I guess I understand that to an extent. But when you talk about that offensive line, you know, there's there's two FCS kids on that line, and there's a walk-on, and they've played almost the whole game. You look at the wide receivers we've got, and, and I'd be hard-pressed to find a worse group of wide receivers in the Big Ten. And the quarterback play kind of speaks for itself. Well, they were ranked 14th Maryland, going into the season as wide receivers, yeah. yes. That's right. I think that's objectively true, Lauren. I just don't think they're a very good group. And when you look at that Maryland defense, they got speed. They've got athleticism. You saw they were able to disrupt and break up passes left and right. I just don't understand how anyone expects this Illinois offense to compete against these Power 5 teams with the talent level being so subpar relative to these opponents. Well, it all goes back to recruiting, and that's why, we're at, that's why we are where we are. I mean, there's yeah, no question you're right about that, although I don't think Maryland is off the wall great, but I think, you know, I, I think for a, for a half, the first half, Illinois played them dead. Even You read the stats, Steve, and that yeah. first half, 10 to 9 on first downs, and the yards was within five, and everything. Of course, there was also the fact that the fumbles had a huge part in this game. Illinois returned their own fumble for a touchdown on a 63-yard play, and then, of course, Maryland had two uh, really bad fumbles that hurt them. Yeah, I think I think that's the key, and I and I think Jeremy Warner. I listened to his his post game podcast, and he highlighted something uh, uh, Brett said there midweek about getting Illinois' rosters like the talent level on par with the opponent. I, I just think that's that's a key because you know Maryland made mistakes, but those DBs had the speed and athleticism to recover, and it just disrupted the passing game. And I just think we need a we need a serious infusion of talent, and I think they're going after. I think he said going after ten or so transfers. I think you got to do that to even have a prayer in twenty twenty two. Well, sometimes you get transfers that are better than the players you have, and sometimes you don't. Now, let's just be honest. I mean, if you think that Illinois is going to get to the top of the of the Western Division with transfers, and you got to prove it to me. I mean, I I just I know what they have to do. I agree with you. They have to get transfers because they got to get better players than they have on the field. But their transfers aren't going to be better than the Iowa players, and they're not going to be better than the Wisconsin players. And I don't think they're not going to be better than the Maryland players, as far as I can see. And most people are transferring because they're not playing where they are. Yeah. In many cases, so. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. You got to start somewhere, and you've got to you got to get some 
some talent in there, and that's the short-term way to do it. But you also got to be smart enough to realize this is going to take a while. This is a long haul here. Yeah, the, the, oh, no, that's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point, Steve. I I, I think that we're looking at a, a year three at, at the earliest before we see you know true substantive improvement out of this this team because I think that's the roster situation that that that, uh, that Bielma inherited, and I just think we have to navigate that into years three and four. Good stuff, Mike. Thanks for the call. We appreciate it. 217-356-9397 is the number if you'd like to uh, join in. You were about to say, uh, Mr. Tate? Well, I mean, uh, what he's saying is is based on the assumption that it is possible. And it is possible, but it's not likely. I mean, he's against that. That's what he's up against. He's, he's up against a very difficult position here because Illinois has been down so long. We are Kansas, and we got to acknowledge it. we got to understand that. On the bright side, you may have found a, a future uh, solid running back in Josh McCray. Yeah, that was he's, really, he, he's the kind of guy that uh, Bill Mel always had at Wisconsin. You know, those uh, yes, he is. bruisers, That 38-yard run he made was really good. He, 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 he broke three tackles. They weren't solid tackles. They had their arm tackle. He just ran through three of them. Unfortunately, got a little dinged up, and we don't know what uh, the seriousness is of that uh, late in the ball game. It sounded like it was his hand. Or yeah, when he came off the field, he was holding his uh, hand or lower arm, uh-huh. but it didn't look like he was in tremendous pain. And so. you think that was a, a main consideration when they didn't go for the fourth and one? I don't know if it was or not, but I would have felt better love, if he was in there. <laughs> yeah, love was, love was in the game at the time. And they sent Love straight up the middle several times, which I, I kind of questioned. Well, they, they were stepping that play. Yeah. I mean, I, I He's under, not I a power guy. Uh, you yeah. know, he's more of a get-outside-the-lane the kind of thing. But uh, The only thing I will repeat is they didn't care where they had to go 80 or 60. Right. And, you know, so they had to go 80, and they went 80. Did you get a chance uh, when you went down uh, for postgame to, to see – yeah, I guess you probably saw Mike Loxley, maybe, or uh, I did not. Or Ron Zook, either one. No, I didn't. I didn't. I went to the Illinois locker room, and I didn't. Yeah, I sometimes they, they do the media. It was after midnight when I came out of there, <laughs> exactly. and I walked up the stairs like I always do to go to the press box, and they'd already locked the doors. I had to go all the way back down and go walk all the way around uh, to get back in the building. My biggest fear as we wrapped up the network postgame show was that I was going to be locked inside Memorial Stadium with Ed Bond. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna have to stay all night. <laughs> nine ten is the time. Two one seven three five six nine three. And you didn't know how how fast <laughs> I could get. <laughs> I had a. I saw you coming out of there. I wonder why you're in such a hurry. I man. found another gear I didn't know I had. <laughs> nine ten. We'll take a break. Let's hear from you on a lot. I fell a Saturday sports talk. We're back with more after this. And that uh, game at Purdue is next Saturday at 2.30. Purdue's got a big game today. They play at Notre Dame. There's some interesting games on the uh, Big Ten schedule today. We'll talk about uh, those as we move along. Feel free to join us if you'd like to and talk about the game last night. Did you stay up for the whole thing? And uh, if you did, what do you think going forward now? Illinois was a seven-point favorite in that ball game. It'll be a while before they're favored in the game again They'll be an underdog next week at Purdue. and Illinois was not a favorite against Maryland. But did I say that? I didn't mean yeah, that. I, yeah. I thought I said underdog. But <laughs> no, they were. Every, yeah, right. Well, anyway, the, uh, Illinois was an underdog. And yeah. I, you think that there'd be a favorite against Charlotte? Maybe. Would that be the only game? Yeah, I'd say. But Purdue's, 
Purdue is a, is, a, is a beatable. And, you know, I like the idea of playing Purdue after they play Notre Dame. Now, they really get up for the Notre Dame game. You know that. That's a big game for them. And uh, we have a one-day advantage, too. <laughs> <laughs> We're already in preparation for them. Yeah, but by the time you get to next Saturday, you, you'll Don't forget all about that. But uh, nope. they, uh, Purdue plays at Notre Dame today. Number eight, Cincinnati, is at Indiana. That could That's be a good game. That's the game Indiana's been looking for, and they're going to have a sellout there. I think it's only the fourth sellout that they've had at Indiana. Cincinnati also, 50, well, also plays Notre Dame on their schedule. Cincinnati mm-hmm. does. Yeah. Yeah, and they're number eight in the country. Let's talk baseball for a minute till we get some more football calls. Cardinals win over the Padres, eight to two. The Brewers scored four in the bottom of the eighth to uh, surpass the Cubs, eight to five. The White Sox won eight to nothing. So the Cardinals have a one-game lead now for the second wild card spot, which to the winner goes a date against Max Scherzer. You know, probably <laughs> in a one-game playoff. Probably, yeah. Do you suppose Ed Bond ever hit home runs left-handed and right-handed in the same game? Probably not. <laughs> I know the answer to that, but <laughs> the better question would be, I wonder how, how many guys have done it, and it's been done. I bet Mantle's done it. I, I bet there have been several that have done yeah. it, but uh, Carlson did it last night for the Cardinals, hitting a grand slam in the second one. He did, and uh, you know, but from the time that he hit his first home run to give them a 4 nothing lead, they went several innings without without doing anything mm-hmm. uh, offensively. Yeah. The pitching was decent again. Michaelis got his first win in more than two years. Pitched pretty good, didn't he? Yeah. You and I talked earlier in the day that maybe he can uh, just pitch to contact. I know that's kind of an overused statement sometimes, but uh, you got a pretty good defense behind you, and you got a big ballpark. Let yeah, him hit keep it. it. If you can keep it on the corners, you can win that way, yes. Keep it in the uh, – Keep it in the yard, so to speak. Coming up on the air here today at 1045, Illinois Volleyball. They're playing, they're kind of wrapping up their non-conference part of the schedule before starting the Big Ten. Also, this weekend was Hall of Fame weekend, the Hall of Fame class of 2020 being inducted. That'll happen this afternoon, 1 o'clock at the State Farm Center. We've got a couple of those people scheduled to be on the show with us. Kevin Hardy will join us at 930 Mark Steinberg, who's not in the Hall of Fame, but he was with the one of the Varsity Eye uh, recipients this week, will join us. And then coming up at uh, 10.30, former Illini linebacker Scott Studwell, who has a book out called Viking for Life, 42 years with the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. He was a terrific player, and he was in there. Uh, in the department uh, for a lot of years. I don't know how many years. Do you, he played 14, to, so. So, okay, from, from 14 from 40, huh? 26. 42, yeah. So, yeah, and he, I read parts of the uh, book uh, this week, and he talked about coming here from uh, Indiana. Yeah, the, the big he story was. He was a defensive was, lineman there yeah, at first. Yeah, the big story with Studd is as a sophomore, he was about a 240-pound defensive tackle. Yeah. He lost a lot of weight and got himself down in a, Really top shape and played linebacker and was a terrific linebacker. In the book, he said he was 270. Oh, 270. Yeah, th- then he oh, trimmed down. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and he said he was one of those late uh, bloomers, so to speak, and in high school as a freshman. He was 5'1", 110 pounds or something, and then he, he shot up. He has a couple of brothers that uh, were older than him. Phone line open. Let's go to Jim in Dewey. What do you say, Jim? Hi there. I just wanted to come off skiing. Actually watched the whole thing, hadn't planned on it, but I did. 
and I, I just want to uh, commend them for their effort. I know there will be a lot of people find mistakes and all that, but I, the effort was there, I think. So I well, I think the that. defensive effort was definitely there, and, and uh, to hold them within to, to 10 points in the first 55 minutes is an accomplishment, and to hold them to only two third-down conversions, that was the key. They had 10 third-down plays, and they only made a first down twice. Yeah. If the effort stays, then uh, they'll be okay in the long run. All right, Jim, thanks for the call. We do appreciate it. Yep, let's move on to Bob in Urbana. Good morning, Bob. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I was at the stadium until 10 after 12, so I I saw the whole thing. And I think uh, Maryland's quarterback proved that he is a real deal and I know his brother's in the NFL, but he was really good. And then as I looked at the game itself uh, from a fan perspective, I think our fans would have helped our team even more if we'd have 60,000 instead of 30,000. And I don't know where you get that fan base back again after they've been down so long when you have other schools that are putting 100,000 people in the stadium Indiana sellout today. How long has it been since we had a sellout? Oh so. boy, that's a good question. North Carolina, when when Lovey was here, was the biggest crowd. Yeah, it wasn't a sellout though, but mm-hmm. it goes back a while for that for sure. Yeah, and I I think it, it's going to be a, a transition of culture for our fans to come back and say, yes, this is a viable team that we can root for and hope they're going to be competitive. And I think last night that I I watched the other games. Uh, the Nebraska game. I thought we were competitive, and when we ran the clock down uh, at the end of the game and we're, had a, we're going to win, I thought that was the, the biggest thing I saw this year so far in all the games, that we could control the clock in that last four minutes and then get down and win it. And last night we didn't. So, Yeah, it came down to those last five minutes for sure. There were some there, – there, it's interesting to me how – when the defense started reeling, if you remember when uh, Maryland made their first touchdown, they just marched right down on yep. them. And then they, they got the ball back, and they started to do that again, and they did. They got all yep. the way down what, to the four-yard line mm-hmm. and fumbled, mm-hmm. and that's when Illinois kind of reversed the thing and turned it all the way back on them. But sometimes when the defense gets reeling, they can't seem to get the stops. Right. And the other thing, here's another one, it's, it's easy to do. When the quarterback has, uh, they hiked the ball, the quarter, their quarterback had the ball. I, ca- I counted 1,001, 1,002, 1,003, 1,004, 1,005, 1,006, 1,007, throw the ball. How long would it take for his receivers to scramble through the first read, second read, third read, and be open, and he looks down the field and say, oh, I can zip it to this guy. He doesn't have anybody within 10 yards from him. And sure enough, on that play where he came down and threw a 30-yarder and they were within 15 yards or 20 yards of the, of the field goal. I said, yep, game's over. And that guy was wide open, and he zipped it. It was, it was like a bullet to that receiver. So anyway, we need more rush from the, from the front three or front four. Uh, and, and he was just scrambling. He didn't do anything different. But when you have seven seconds to pass the ball, you're, the success rate is going to be pretty high. So, okay, Bob. Thanks. We appreciate that. Thanks, you're welcome. Yep. Yeah, it all goes back to line play, Lauren. Uh, Illinois defensive lines not getting the rush on 
on the quarterbacks. And the offensive line, I think, has been – they were a little dinged up because uh, Kramer didn't play last night. But uh, I think it's got to play better as a unit for sure. Well, the, the running game is not where it was last year. No, the running game definitely isn't, although I do like McCray. I think that he'll be back and he'll be a, a factor. But, no, the line, we're losing too many one-on-one battles up front. There's no question about that. That's been the case all along. I was going to mention that when they came out to start the second half, I don't, it looked like a different team. And consecutively in that second half, passing-wise, I'm just taking the passes. Pass for 5, pass for fa- 12, pass for 21, and then they scored. Pass for 11, pass for 11, pass for 21. Then they had a pass that only they didn't gain anything, and then every single pass was complete. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Before they fumbled on the four or five yard line, I mean they were completing every pass. Yep. And it's, it's, at that point, Illinois wasn't going to win. But when they fumbled, Illinois was back in the game and was able to march that ball out, and Illinois scored on that drive. They went they went 93 yards, and McCray went the last 38 after. Uh, uh, Peters hit a, hit a complete pass for 21, so they um, they got back in the game. But I, all I'm saying is that there are times when they look like they just don't have the the, the defense was completely bamboozled. And at the end of the game, just every play worked for Maryland. Every well, play. Well, like you said, uh, walking out of the stadium when everybody watching and everybody on the field knows what you're going to do, pass. Mm-hmm. And they were only rushing three guys, but they were getting to him. Well, Illinois did some things defensively with the pass rush last night. They they rushed uh, on the pass that that Maryland threw for a touchdown that was called back. Mm-hmm. Illinois rushed eight people, but on the play that uh, on on several of those plays they only rushed three and, and dropped eight. But it seemed to be working during the middle portions of the game. There was just it just seemed like once Maryland got rolling, we couldn't stop them. But I don't know. I, I, overall, they did a pretty good job holding them to you know to, to twenty four points and, and or twenty points rather in, in the game. We got to score more than twenty to win, don't we? Yes, and you, if you just said going in, you, you hold Maryland to twenty. I'd say you, we had a chance. You'd like your chances. Chance. They were they were averaging forty six points a ball game. That was skewed a little bit by yeah. that sixty two nothing win over Howard, but. Uh, you need to be able to, to score 20 points if you're going to be in, in football games, and uh, Illinois is having a hard time doing this that. This game wasn't anything like we thought it would be. Really. No, no. It was just a different kind of ball game. It was a defensive uh, battle until the, that second half started. Then there were a lot of a lot of back-and-forth plays, mistakes on both sides. The, the interception, it's too bad. There was a tight end wide open on the left sideline when Peters threw after Seth Coleman stole the ball, mm-hmm. which was a terrific play. Just made the tackle, grabbed the football, and went down with the football. Right. And uh, they had to, and the officials didn't see it. And, they, he, and he had the runner on top of him. Yeah. So there was no way his knee was down. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great play, but, but on the very next play, uh, Peters threw an interception. And Luke Ford was wide open. Yeah. yeah. Right over his head, right? Yep. And Luke Ford has gone three games, correct me if I'm wrong, without a pass reception. Three games are tied in. And what did what Barker have last night? Did he have one? Uh, let me look. I've got him right here. I think he had one maybe. Or maybe that was called. No, he did not. Okay. So we, so we don't complete a pass to our tight end all night. And this is something we're well, talking about. Well, you only have ten receptions. 
I know, but I'm, this is something we talked about, Steve, at the beginning of the season. This is the year we've got two really good tight ends. Our tight ends are going to be a huge factor. Well, Barker's had some good plays, but um, only one reception all year in four games for Ford, who I think is a good receiver, but we just either either we can't get him open or can't throw it to him for that, some reason. That came all the way back in the Nebraska game. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. He yeah. had one there. The touchdown reception. Yeah. 926-217-356-9397 is the phone number. The uh, football season for the Illini is a third gone already. Four games into the books at one and three. Purdue is up next. like to hear your opinion. And, you you know, you don't have to say how long till basketball season. We've still got some football to talk about. Do you think Purdue likes to throw the ball? <laughs> <laughs> do do I it? like to play golf? <laughs> So yes, they like so to do So what we're going to do? We're going to get into another uh, one of those games, huh? Well, Their yeah. passes against our passing. I hope not. Well, you know, if you can put sixty minutes together and not have five minutes of what happened, uh, you know, Maryland was averaging five hundred thirty-five yards a game total offense coming in. Yeah. They got four eighty-one, which is still too much. But the reason they beat West Virginia is because they held West Virginia to no touchdowns in the second half. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was a tough 30-24 to 24 game, and they outscored West Virginia in the fourth quarter to win it. So that's the game you have to judge, and, and that game was very much like this one. I mean, I think that West Virginia and Maryland and Illinois are probably very comparable. It is 927. We'll take a break here at the bottom of the first half hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Feel free to join us. We're here until 1045 this morning, and we're back after this. Moving up on 931, Alana Ipella Saturday Sports Talk here on DWS with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're chugging along until 1045 this morning, talking Illinois football, talking some Major League Baseball. We'll get to some high school scores uh, coming up as we uh, move our way through the show. And the phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Kevin Hardy, Hall of Famer, is up early this morning. It's been an interesting week for uh, Mr. Hardy. Good morning, Kevin. How are you doing this morning? I'm going, I'm going great. How are you doing? Good. Uh, did, you, did you enjoy the ball game last night? That turned out to be a pretty good football game, didn't it? It actually did, and unfortunately, with all the obligations that I had running around, I didn't really get a chance to really, really watch as, as much as I wanted to. But from what I did see, uh, you know, the line and I were very competitive and ended up being, you know, a closer ball game than a lot of people anticipated. And uh, it was good to see them, you know, compete the way that they did. You were an honorary captain. You spoke to the team on Thursday. Uh, reiterate a little bit what you told them. I thought that when you uh, – Talk to me on the pregame show last night. I, I was interested in your message, and I think it was uh, very well put. But what was your theme of that? Yeah, well, you, you know, their season hadn't started off the way that they had liked it, with uh, the way that they anticipated it, and so they was dealing with a little bit of adversity. You know, sitting at one and two, um, when they, they, I know they felt like they should have been at the minimum two and one, uh, possibly three and zero. Oh. But so they were dealing with adversity. And so, um, you know, I just you know, kind of shared with them a story of when I was uh, when I was here and, and we started the season off, you know, not the way that we wanted to. And 
we were able to pull together as a group uh, and and get things turned around. You know, I know that they was you know hoping to get that done yesterday, but even as it stands, I mean, they, you know, they're one and one in the conference with with another chance to to play a conference opponent next week and and hopefully go two and one. Well, uh, Kevin, what was the um, the emotions in this game seemed to flow back and forth, and it, it turned out to be a really good defensive game for a half, and then it kind of got wild in the second half. How do you account for that? Well, probably you know, like both teams' first game uh, under the lights uh, in terms of being a, a late start. Um, you know, for Maryland, you know, you know, the game started at eight ten for them. That's nine ten. You know, I mean, you know, they coming from. Uh, from from the Eastern Time Zone, and for the Atlanta, I mean, they were starting at you know at eight o'clock, and uh, college kids are used to starting games that late, and you, you know it may not sound like a big deal, but you know you sit around in the hotel all day, uh, it's a tough thing. I know when I was playing, you know we had games like that in the NFL when you play like a Monday night football or a Thursday night or a Sunday night, and uh, it's kind of tough. You know if it's your first time doing it. You know, you, you, when you sit around, your body gets tired, you get lethargic, and, and you got to go out there at night and try to fire yourself up. Now, I'm not saying that that's, you know, the excuse, but, but I can see that as being a reason for some, for some sloppy play because, you know, you're just not used to that, uh, to that schedule. They had, a, they had a situation developed. Uh, I don't know if you were paying this close attention, but it's fourth and one on, their, um, on the 40-yard line of Maryland, and, and Illinois elected to punt there with five minutes to go in the game. What's your take on that? I mean, Illinois had held them to 10 points up to that point, but I was, frankly, as one that was pulling for Illinois to win, I, I, thought, this was, I thought they needed to go for it. What's your, what's your take? You know, it's a, it's a tough call. I think most coaches, you know, you know, I would guess that eight out of ten coaches, maybe nine, would probably elect to punt in that situation because, uh, you know, you take your chances. If you're able to, to pin them down deep, and make them go, you know, what, 70, 80 yards, you know, you know, drive the football to win the game versus if you go for it and get stopped and, you know, you're dealing with a short field. Um, I think Maryland was able to, to move the ball uh, for the most part, you know, effectively all night. You know, you know, they had a couple of drives that were stalled by fumbles. You know, they got uh, deep down our territory and, and fumbled the football and, and uh, had a couple of turnovers. So I think that, you know, he, he was – I hesitate to use the term, you know, conservative, but uh, I think that you know he, he, you know, he was thinking that you know he could put the, you know, the game in the defense's hands, get a stop, hopefully get the ball back, and uh, and 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 see what they can do. Unfortunately, it didn't work out that way, but uh, you know, that's just the way it goes. Well, he said after the game when when he was questioned about it, he said that he didn't want to give Maryland that momentum that they would, you know, the the excitement they would have had, had they been able to stop a fourth and one that. That brings the whole team together, obviously. I mean, there's nothing like stopping the opponent on fourth and one, and, and it gives everybody a, a charge, and he didn't want to give them that opportunity. The only difference that I keep bringing up is the fact that they still had 60 yards to go if if we didn't make it, and they only had 80, 80 or so to go if they didn't, and, and the 60 and 80 don't seem to be that much different to me. But uh, yeah. that's just me t- talking, and I'm not coaching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, the reality of that situation is, and that's what I've always said, is that, you know, when you got a fourth and one, you'd like to be able to go to your offensive lineman and look them all in the eye and say, listen, 
you need to knock your man, the man in front of you, knock him off the ball. We need one yard. I mean, I'm sure offensive linemen all across the country, especially in the Big Ten, you know, try to pride themselves on being able to do that. And so, um, you know, if I'm an offensive lineman in that locker room, you know, I'm I'm getting the guys together, and I'm I'm looking at that situation and saying, listen, coach didn't have confidence in us, you know, to, you know to go, you know, to be able to to uh, to line up and and go for it on that, and so. We need to work, and we need to be able to provide that confidence so that we can get it done next time. Talking to Kevin Hardy, you mentioned emotions of the team. I want to know about Kevin Hardy's emotions the last couple of days. You've known for a while you were going into the Hall of Fame in the class of 2020, but uh, we didn't do the uh, ceremonies and have you back on campus until now. But uh, what, what have the last couple of days been like for you and your family? It's been exciting. Uh, obviously, you know, very exciting getting back, you know, here on campus and, and seeing everything, all the changes that's, you know, that, that's been done around here. But as for me as an individual, you know, uh, you know, being honored and, and seeing all the, the, you know, the different, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't call them, what do you call them, like mementos that are up in the SNF Center and, and, and just the, you know, how everybody is, has been welcoming me back, you know, it's kind of surreal in a sense because, um, you know, my time here, it, it seems like it was, it was, uh, not long ago. And, you know, obviously I know I had a, you know, good career and, and, and I was able to do, you know, a, a lot of, you know, things that, uh, obviously put me in a situation, but, you know, even like now, uh, you know, like every day when, when I'm seeing, you know, various people and then you get the pats on the back and, and all that kind of stuff, it, it's just one of those feelings like, you know, how did this happen? I, you know, I can't believe that, you know, I had the career that I had, you know, obviously I, you know, I'm proud and excited about it. And, um, you know, it, it, at times I, I just I, I, I just sit here and I think about it and just feel so surreal. Well, what's it feel like to have played alongside Holosek and you had Howard and you had Simeon Rice? That's not that's, – the four of you made up a pretty good defense. And, you know, I, when I think about Tepper's – Defense, uh, you guys were really good. You lost some awfully close games. It wasn't because of the defense. The defense was good all those years that you played. Right. You're right. And, you know, to be honest, I look at that and I look at those guys and I still look at myself as as kind of the odd man out. And if I look at that group and I say, man, one of those guys, who doesn't belong? And the reason why is because I really feel like, you know, my – everything that I was able to do started with them. And I say that because they were such good players and, and I really fed off of uh, their energy and, you know, the success that they were having because I wanted to push myself, you know, to make sure that I wasn't the weak link. And, you know, if I go, if I go back to, you know, like my freshman year, you know, Simeon's the big 10 freshman of the year, you know, I make the all freshman team and you got Hollisek and, and, and Dana getting big all Big Ten honors. Uh the following year, all three of those guys were first team and I think I was uh second team or maybe honorable mention. And so, you know, I was driven by their success. You know, I'm seeing these guys work and I'm saying, Listen, I need to make sure that, you know, that I'm pulling my pulling my load and, 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 and that's a true story. I mean I um you know, I always, you know, watch those guys, and, and I, like I said, I, I was driven by their success, and as a result, I was able to, to you know, achieve the things that I was able to uh, based off of them. What did you think when Dana guaranteed the win at Ohio State? <laughs> that gets you fired up? 
it, you know, it really did. And, it, you know, it's one of those moments that, you know, coaches, and I get it, you know, that obviously uh, reminiscent and looking back on it, you know, coaches don't like players to do that. But, at, but players – you know, it, it, there's just that sense of, of confidence that you can you can get you know you can get that done. So so when he did that, I mean we we were all behind him, and we knew that 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 we needed to go out and and and, and try to you know get that done and and back him up. Um, that week, I will tell you, was probably one of the more intensive practice weeks that we had ever we had ever had, and it was and it was for that reason. And um, and I will, I will tell you as also. That locker room after the game was was probably the uh, the most euphoric feeling that I've ever had uh, playing football. Talking to Kevin Hardy, another couple of minutes. Kevin uh, living in Jacksonville now, having played in the NFL with the Jaguars, the Cowboys, and the Cincinnati Bengals. And you've got a couple of boys of your own playing football. They had a game last night. Uh, did you get a full report on that? Yeah, I did, and, and, and I'm waiting for the video to be loaded on Huddle. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, we weren't able to get the victory. And I, and I spoke to my son, and he was telling me that uh, this is the one in high school. He was telling me that 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 they weren't able to make some adjustments, and that they really just you know were handled uh, most of the game. So I'm looking forward to being able to, uh, to 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 check that game out on Huddle today. My other son is a, a freshman at UConn, and they have Army today. He hasn't he hasn't played any this year. And I don't really anticipate him playing today because of the style of offense that Army runs uh, because he's more of a a, uh, a edge guy, a pass rush guy, and they're going to be loading up the front trying to stop that wing T offense. So uh, I'll still try to be, you know, I'll still try to tune in, but uh, I don't anticipate him playing today. Are you uh, helping coach uh, your son that's in high school? I am. I am. I coach the D-line. He, he, he plays edge. He's uh, he's a junior Simeon Rice, <laughs> so uh, so I've seen some of that up close in person. But um, but yeah, he's a sophomore, and I uh, I coached the D line down there. You mentioned the Smith Center. You had a chance to see that. I know back in the day, back in the mid '90s, you guys thought you had pretty decent uh, training facilities. But how about that building? Yeah, where where did you do your weight training at when you were here? It was it was underneath. I mean, we called it the dungeon. So it was underneath the coaches' offices. In that, uh, I don't even know how to describe it, but it but it's in the stadium. You know, in yeah. the uh, yeah underground there, uh, probably like an eighth of the size of the weight room is now. Yeah. I mean, that thing was uh, now. I mean, but it's just like you said. When I came here, I thought it was the greatest you know thing I've ever seen. I mean, you know, coming from high school and obviously this is back in 1991, but. Um, you know, it, it it was enough. You know, like for us at the time. I mean, you know, to get things done. I mean, obviously it wasn't you know nearly as fancy as this stuff is now. And when I was talking to the team the other day, uh, and I was able to you know to have some one on one conversation with some of the guys, you know, I just told them that man, this is special. You know, this is a great opportunity for them because you know they have you know pretty much everything they need you know to to succeed. You know, now it's just time to put the work in. But um, you know, it, it, it was really neat to see. I mean, be, you know, to see how you know how things have come along, to see that building. You know, proud to be an alumni. Well, Kevin, it was good to see you back in town, and we wish you the best of luck uh, on going here and uh, your ceremony this afternoon. And uh, had a chance to see some of your family, and uh, you're uh, quite a spokesman for the U of I, and now a Hall of Famer. And uh, it's good to know you. I, I really appreciate it. That sounds good.
Thank you. You bet. Great to see you, Kevin. Okay, we'll see you guys. Kevin Hart, are you with us? And that ceremony this afternoon at uh, 1 o'clock at the uh, State Farm Center. It is free and open to the public if you'd like to uh, stop by there. It is 945, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line is back open, 217-356-9397. And we're back with more after this. Nine forty-six, Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. A reminder: We're here until ten forty-five this morning, as Illinois volleyball will take the air at that time with the pregame show, and uh, the Illini volleyball team will take on North Texas at eleven o'clock over at Redbird Arena, part of the Redbird Invitational. Illinois beat Missouri three nothing, and Illinois State three nothing yesterday and last night. And uh, they'll wrap it up against North Texas today at 11. So we're off a little bit early. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. Baseball scores from last night. The Cardinals over the Padres, 8-2. Brewers beat the Cubs, 8-5. And uh, the White Sox over Texas. White Sox just kind of playing it out, getting lined up. They're just trying to get their pitching lined up. Get their pitching lined up. They've got 84 wins. And uh, the wild card race... Still very active with the uh, Cardinals holding a one-game lead. Wouldn't hurt to go ahead and just sweep the Padres, <laughs> <laughs> would it? But you got the Reds right there a game back. The Padres so. have been losing a lot of baseball games. They were way ahead a month ago. They were, and a month ago the Cardinals were, what, eight games out of it. Yep, yep. I just hoping to get back within four by September. Now here we are ahead. You know, a lot of th- strange things happen at the end of the season, Steve. I mean, there, the, the end of the season is always more streaky because the bad teams become worse and the good teams have something to play for. And, you know, it's altogether different. Yep. If you're going for if you're that's why this whole wild card thing is so important to baseball, because you have so many teams now that are in, engaged and involved. Even the teams that are out of it have to play hard when they're playing a team that's in contention. You, just, you can't concede. Right. Let's go back to the phones. What do you say, Marty? Down in Pinehurst. Morning, Steve. Morning, Lauren. Hey, uh, I'm glad you guys stayed up to watch the game last night. I, I had to get up early this morning, so I just caught the first half. Yeah, we didn't have a choice. Yeah. We, we kind of had to be there. <laughs> yeah, I knew you guys would. The only observation I could, the most obvious observation was they obviously play a lot better in night games than they do in real early morning games. That's the only thing I could say for sure. Well, that that's true as far as Virginia and Maryland are concerned. Yeah. You know, the, the turnovers have such huge impacts on these games, the mistakes, the big sure. turnovers, because this game seemed to go in one way and then it turned because of, of turnovers. And Illinois had a turnover that turned out to be a touchdown. <laughs> I mean, they didn't yeah. turn it over, obviously, but he fumbled it. And Washington picked it up and sixty a sixty three yard play and they don't I don't know how you it's a sixty three yard rush, but he had no carries. <laughs> in, in, the, in the official stats, he did not carry the ball, but he had a thirty yard touchdown. Yeah, scoop stats, and score. Stats are funny things. Yeah, they, uh, I cannot understand one thing, and you've harped on it, and you have today, and I've harped on it a long time. I'm I'm an ex football coach. I do not understand how you can have two pretty good tight ends and not get the ball to them. 
because uh, the one thing I always knew as a football coach was if I had a big physical tight end, I knew no matter what, I would be able to get him the ball because even if he was covered, he could use his body to get the ball. Uh, I don't understand it. It's kind of confusing me. Well, we've been confused for 10 or 15 years on this, so, you know, we just keep saying that it's going to happen and it never happens, and I'm going to shut up one of these years and just say and not even mention it. If you want to run a possession offense, run the ball and convert third downs and time of possession, then you have to throw to the tight ends. Well, we're seeing our opponents do it frequently, although I didn't see it yesterday. Yeah, well... I, I hope I hope something clicks because I've watched Ford and he's got good hands. We know Barker. I mean, but Ford has good hands. I don't understand it. I mean, we used to run a play. If we ran it once, we ran it, you know, 15 times a game where one tight end would drag across the middle, the other one would chip block for a count of 1,002, and then he would drag underneath him. The second guy was always open because the linebackers get their drops and they get they get taken off by that first tight end dragging through. I don't understand why something simple like that can't get you five, six yards at a pop, you know, and then let the guy run after the catch. I mean, Dick and Mackey made a career out of doing it. I'll get off, and I know you're busy. And on the baseball front, Steve, in June, I didn't think there's any chance in hell we'd even be in a race for anything. So, well, you you couldn't sell this pitching rotation. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it's going to be like next year, but they're just getting by with Hap and Lester and, of course, Wayne Wright. And last night, Nicholas pitched well, and they're getting good relief now. And, you know, there was a time Reyes couldn't win a game there for a while. He was yeah. terrible. Now he's back online again. Lester has changed a little bit the way he's pitched, and he's getting a little craftier. He they're made some interesting comments back. the other day about paying attention to what Wainwright was doing. Right. He's just yeah. doing it from the other side. Yeah. And next year you're going to have Hudson back. He may come in late this year, but you're going to have Hudson. They're going to try to – Give Hicks a shot at the rotation. They're going to have, and Flaherty's back. They're going to have choices if they stay healthy, of course. If they stay healthy. That's a big thing. Hey, Marty, thanks. All right. Take care, guys. Good to talk to you. Let's go to Chuck calling from Camargo. Hey, Chuck. Hey, guys. I want to talk football. I don't want to talk that stinking Cardinal baseball, okay? Okay. Those Cardinals, you know, they got. Eight games left with the Cubs, I believe, and we're going to spoil it for you guys. Okay. I think. I thought you didn't want to talk baseball. <laughs> well, you got, me, you got me going here, Lauren. Uh, I want to talk about Isaiah Williams. Okay. You want to get the ball to your playmaker, right? Yep. How many times did he touch the ball yesterday? Well, I'll look it up for you. Let's see. I want to say one. Isaiah Williams caught seven. No, he caught two I, passes. He, caught, he was targeted seven times. Yeah. He caught two. That's, that's unacceptable. Yeah. Well, they only caught, they only completed ten passes in the whole game. Can we still make a bowl game? Well, sure, but be realistic. Yeah, What's sure. That? You need to find five more wins on the schedule. Okay, I see none. <laughs> well, you answered your own question then. <laughs> well, don't be despondent. I mean, did last night's game encourage you or discourage you? Uh, he 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 left. Well, okay, I'll ask you, Steve. Were you encouraged or discouraged? I was encouraged. I was too. Uh, the way the defense played, I, I think uh, 
you know, maybe you kind of went into that game thinking in your mind what might happen in, in the way of 42 to 14. You know, are they as good as Virginia? We didn't know. Um, but I, I said to somebody, I said, I wouldn't mind being surprised. And I was a little surprised with the way the defense and impressed with the way they played. They just you know, kind of ran out of gas. Let's go back uh, to the phones. Mike in Champaign. Go ahead, Mike. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I find it interesting, all this talk about we're not throwing enough to the tight ends. Mm-hmm. While I agree that we need to throw more to them, I remember two distinct balls for Luke Ford and one for Barker that hit them right in the hands, and they dropped. So you can throw to them all you want, but they got to make the catch to make it successful. You, you and recall, I think sometimes uh, people ignore that. Well, I don't mean to ignore it, but I mean – I don't, Steve. Do you remember? I I remember one on Ford. Yes. Okay. That should have been caught. But like Lawrence said, yeah. uh, Mike, when you only complete ten passes all night long, all your guys, well, all you guys need to catch them for sure. But the, Peters was well, the, ten the, for twenty six. The, the best pass play they had, and the one that could have won the game for them, in, in my opinion, that they didn't throw to was was Chase Brown coming out of the backfield. When he was when he would swing out, he was open, and they threw to him a couple of times. He made let's see did the same thing in the first half with McCray. Yeah, he caught he he made make big gains every time he, he made fifty four yards on three catches, and I'm telling you, he was open more. Yeah, the the play that in my mind could have won the game, he was open. They didn't throw to him, and uh, I mean when you throw to him, you're throwing to him around the line of scrimmage. It isn't like his way downfield, but. He's got a chance to run, and, and if the first guy comes up is going to have a hard time tackling him. I mean, he's pretty evasive. But uh, but the, the, as far as their receivers are concerned, Navarro caught three, and uh, Isaiah caught two, Casey Washington caught one, and Span caught one. That's it. Your, your point is taken. If the receivers don't catch the ball, quarterbacks look bad. So. Well... I think quarterback looked bad for several reasons. I think the defense, uh, the offensive line was a big part of it. He had six sacks. Right. When you Agreed. analyze how many yards he threw for and how many yards he lost in sacks, which was, what was it, 53 or 63, Steve? 63. 63, okay. He lost 63 yards in sacks. You have to take that away from the 185 yards he passed for. So, so that, that throws it back to 132 net. Now, he also scrambled a couple of times on pass plays, including one time he ran 20 yards that was a gift. I mean, there was nobody there. Right. Anything else, Mike? Well, I will. And, yeah, I think the offensive line that has gotten so much praise needs to step up. I, I've been going to games for 39 years, and I will say, and I, I can't say this exactly, but I can't remember – a sequence of three plays like the last three we had last night that were any worse as far as three plays one after another. You're right. Just three straight, well, two sacks and then one grounding. So We got sacked at the end of the half. When when the other team knows Illinois is going to pass, it's just devastating. That's why they ran so many short yardage run plays to try to keep the defensive line honest. They ran a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, runs – that didn't make much, but they less you know they at least kept the the defense alert to what was happening and and not that it was a pass every time, 
Illinois has, I said this two weeks ago, three weeks ago, one week ago, that Illinois, when they, ha- when they announced to the world that they're passing, they can't pass. That's just. Thanks for the call, Mike. We do appreciate it. Let's uh, squeeze in Richard here from Champaign before the top of the hour. Go ahead, Richard. Yes. Could you tell me the uh, passing percentage of the quarterback in the game for us? 10 out of 26. 10 out of 26. So that's roughly 30%. Well, it's 40%. 10 out of 30 is 1 out of 3, so that would be about 33%. You're right. You're right. I I felt like the turning point was uh, when we stripped the ball uh, from mm-hmm. Maryland on about the 25-yard line. <clears throat> we had the momentum because we had already recovered another fumble. And, and then he went back on the very first play. In my mind, he had a receiver wide open on about the 10-yard line. Yeah, and he was... overthrew it by four yards. That was Ford. And and uh, the 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 defender caught it on the one yard line and ran it back about thirty yards or whatever. Right. I to me, uh, uh, Peters was inaccurate for most of the game, and when he did have uh, let's say passes, he he would either throw it behind the receiver, over the receiver, or so that he couldn't catch the ball in stride and and take the ball further down the field. I thought he had a, a very miserable game. Um, I don't think there's much difference between he and Sitkowski. Steve, what do you think on that? I agree. I don't. I just don't see much difference. I, I don't think either one is very effective. And they both had uh, reasons why they left the schools that they left to come here, and they're not very effective. But, well, here's, here's an example. He threw, a, I think it was the first quarter, he threw a sideline pass, short pass to Isaiah, and he threw it so high and behind him that Isaiah had to jump up and twist, and then he got nailed by the defender and had to come out of the game. Yeah, although he did come back in in the next play. Right. Hey, so Richard, was- thanks for the call. We're hitting the uh, top of the hour. We appreciate uh, you taking time to call. We'll have the phone line open in the uh, second hour of the show as well. This is WDWS Champaign-Urbana. Hour number two of Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk is up next. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program, everybody. We're going uh, almost to our regular time. Hour number one is in the books. We normally go till 11 o'clock in hour number two, but we're going to stop just a little bit short at 1045 for Illinois Volleyball. The Illini playing the Redbird Invitational over in uh, Bloomington Normal against North Texas. And Illinois yesterday in that event uh, beat Missouri 3-0 and Illinois State 3-0 in volleyball. And they'll play again today. So we've got... uh, a little bit less time to talk, but uh, we've got plenty to talk about. And we're happy to welcome back uh, to our program former Illini uh, Mark Steinberg, an agent who has a lot of sports clients, uh, uh, sports personalities and athletes as clients, a U of I grad and was a member of the Flying Illini. He's in town as 
one of the honorees on the Varsity Eye Achievement Award. Good morning, Mark. How are you? Hey, how are you guys doing today? We're doing good. Uh, good to have you back in town. Give us a, a little bit of a take on um, what this award means to you, and when was the last time you were back? Well, the award means uh, a lot to me. I, I didn't realize it until I received it on Thursday night, and now going to speak at the Hall of Fame ceremony uh, in a couple hours. Uh, and like the rest of my life, I probably like to downplay things a little bit too much. Um, but, uh, you know, when I when I received it and, and saw the people around, uh, it was... Uh, it has been a very special weekend. I get back here quite a bit. I have a, um, I have two kids here on campus. Uh, my daughter's a junior. My son is a sophomore. Uh, and uh, hard to believe that uh, two uh, two kids from New York would uh, would be coming to Champaign. Uh, but uh, we uh, we figured that out. So it's it's always good to be back here, Stephen Lawrence. Well, the fact that you've got two degrees from the U of I had—I'm uh, guessing that had some influence on your kid's decision to come here. You might have uh, done some recruiting, perhaps, huh? I—I <laughs> I, I didn't do that much recruit. Actually, I think my wife, who had no connection uh, here to Champaign, I think she actually recruited them a little bit harder than I did. Uh, but they, when they came to campus and they just saw the the connection I have to the orange and blue, they. Uh, they 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 fell in love and and uh, they actually introduced me uh, on Thursday night for the ceremony and and uh, in their words they said they couldn't be happier uh, at where they landed so it's been uh, it's been pretty cool. Well, Mark, we'll get around to football in a moment, but I told you yesterday I was going to ask you about that basketball scrimmage. You're one of the special people that was allowed to watch the scrimmage yesterday or the, or the practice yesterday at 3.30. What did you see on that basketball court that you can tell us? You know, Lauren, uh, <clears throat> we're deep. We are, we are definitely a deep team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as, as you know, you've been, I, well, I don't know. I've known you for 35 years now. Um, so that dates both of us, but, uh, this is the deepest team I, I've seen us have. You know, back in '89, when when I uh, when I kind of walked on, but basically watched, uh, I always said our second team was top 25 in the country. You bet with uh, Liberty and Smith and, and uh, Small. Yeah, that was, yeah. It's not bad subs. No, those, that's a that's a pretty good. Uh, you know, second five, uh, I'm not saying this, you know, I'm not saying the first and the second are both top 25 this year, but I'm just telling you, we are deep. Um, we got bodies all over the place. We have wings, we have some bigs. Um, it, it looks, uh, <clears throat> we were only there. Uh, I had some other places to be, so we were only there for about 45 minutes and, I got to be honest, I didn't get to see that much because when you got Jenna in the room, all-time leading scorer, and you got Kevin Hardy in the room and, um, you know, got to catch up with all them, I, I, I couldn't watch too much, but my kids certainly watched, and they're like, man, this team is long and deep. Well, they keep telling us that they we're going to like Payne and Plummer, the two guys that personally I've never seen either one of them uh, here. Uh, and 
I understand that they, you know, they're going to play an awful lot of basketball for Illinois this year. Plumbers a transfer from Utah, paying from Florida. Yeah. What did you see anything yeah. of them? A little bit, yeah. Um, in addition to to others, uh, yeah, they look good. Payne is, um, boy, athletic. Uh, yeah, really athletic, and again, just adds to a bit of length that uh, you know we always. Uh, you always need, especially when you go in and, and bang in the Big Ten for whatever, 18, 20 games now, whatever it is. Uh, it's always good to have uh, to have deep bench length uh, fouls to give. Uh, but, yeah, he looked he looked amazing. Plummer looked good. Uh, they, they all did. Uh, honestly, they all did. Look, they were doing a lot of drills when we were there. So, um, you know, even I looked good in drills back in 1989. <laughs> so, um, but – but I just, I just, I just like the energy that I saw, the attitude. Uh, Coach Underwood is, um, you know, first of all, congrats to him on on the extension, uh, so well deserved. Uh, but he just, he, he brings this energy to this team, and it was so loud in Ubbin yesterday uh, because of the kids on the floor just going crazy and screaming. Um, going to be fun. We're going to have a good year. Talking to Mark Steinberg, I got a question that, that doesn't pertain to basketball or football, but it pertains to golf. Hmm. You've got uh, a lot of golf clients. Who are you going to root for in the Ryder Cup? <laughs> um, Tiger's, not, Tiger's not playing, of course, but uh, you've got uh, other guys I, that are. I will root for Switzerland. Uh, <laughs> so that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of where I land. You know, I've uh, been fortunate uh representing athletes um you know on both sides of the pond uh so i i I just i hope it's as competitive as i think it's going to be to me to have forty thousand people out there at whistling straits like we haven't seen a raucous crowd like that yeah we've seen it in memorial stadium and, and and in other places but golf in a you know international match, um, I think whistling. It, it's I think it's going to be insane. I think it's going to be a crazy fun environment. Can you give us an update on Tiger? How he's uh, recovering? Doing okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's a progress, and uh, he um, he's uh, you know just trying to take it a day at a time. To be honest. Can you tell us any of the other people that you're dealing with right now, most significantly? Uh, you know, look, our company's grown tremendously and, um, we were fortunate to sign the number one player in the NBA draft and Kate Cunningham and the number one player in, uh, football, uh, in Trevor Lawrence, the, the company's growing great. Uh, and we're, we're enjoying the, we're enjoying the ride. Um, but, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's just fun to be back and to, Obviously, to see two of my kids to to be walking around campus here, but then to to see a lot of you know Thursday night saw so many friendly faces, uh, you know Rod Cardinal, who was what I think is the godfather of of basketball here at Illinois, and one of my professors uh, when I was here on campus, and Tom Eulin and Mike Hatfield, and just uh, it's 
it's amazing to be back. How long do you uh, continue? I mean, uh, yours, yours is a type of job I assume you could do well past normal retirement. What, what are your thoughts long term? Um, well, I don't know if I'm going to follow in your <laughs> well, Don't do or, that. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. uh, I, I I don't know. I, I, I enjoy what I do. Um, my family's been supportive as hell for forever. Uh, and I don't put a timetable on it. Uh, when I wake up and I say I'm done, then I'm going to be done. But, uh, yeah, it, it it's definitely not something where I got to wake up, spring out of bed, and you know, dunk a basketball or hit a home run or throw a touchdown or hit it 300 down the fairway. Um, so I can do it for as long as I can or as long as people will let me do it. Uh, I'm, I'm really loving what I do still at 53 years old. How many people are in your, uh, in your corporation? Well, yeah, we're about 120 people uh, at Excel. Uh, myself and, and a couple business, uh, my, my my two great partners uh, own the company, and um, we um, got a great staff uh, based in uh, New York with offices throughout the country. And uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a good ride. We're we're I don't want to say it's a good run uh, because uh, we're in the middle. It's it's a very good ride right now. Well, Mark, we appreciate your time. Hopefully we'll see you back maybe for a basketball game, and especially with your uh, having uh, two kids here. That kind of puts out a little bit of a, uh, a, a motivation to come back to town a little more often, huh? You'll see me on, uh, you'll see me on campus for sure. Uh, basketball is uh, – I love all the sports, but uh, uh, basketball clearly uh, has a near and dear place in my heart. So um, – uh, glad to catch up with you guys when I come back. Okay, thanks, thanks again. Mark. That's Mark okay. Steinberg from XL Corporation. He's a, a sports agent, and as he mentioned, over 100 employees now and some big-name clientele, Tiger Woods, Matt Kuchar, Annika Sorenstam, Steve Stricker, Justin Rose. <laughs> That's why I ask you about the Ryder Cup. Who are you going to root for when you've got so many uh, – clients on both sides. Yeah, I thought his answer was pretty good. Switzerland. <laughs> He's one of the Varsity Eye uh, Award winners, along with Dana Brenner, our friend Dana Brenner, yeah. former assistant athletic director, and uh, Greg Heckman, also in the Varsity Eye Association Awards announced this weekend. The Hall of Fame induction ceremony, by the way, is today at 1 o'clock at the State Farm Center. There is no cost and the public is invited. So if you're out and about and you'd like to uh, stop by there, feel free to do it. One o'clock is the time for that. It is 10.15. We'll take a break. We'll have an open line for another 15 minutes or so before our next guest, which is another former Illini, Scott Studwell. He'll join us about 10.30. But uh, a breakdown back after this. Welcome back to the show, 1018, Illini Fellas Saturday Sports Talk. Phone line is open. Let's go to an Illini fan living in the state of Nebraska. Josh, you're on the air with us. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, certainly a, a disappointing loss last night, but, um, but you know, not giving up on the team. Sort of frustrates me when people, you know, on Twitter 
say things like, oh, Tony Peterson is horrible. The staff has had four games, and they're they're coaching through a pandemic. Do I think they should have gone for it on fourth and one? Absolutely. I mean, I think you play to win the game, especially when you're a one-and-two football team. You try to get to two-and-zero oh uh, in the Big Ten West. Really important. Uh, but, you know, they made the decision. It didn't work out that way. But, um, you know, when you think about Chase Brown, uh, being out and, you know, Epstein being out, all these, you know, the running back stable that's usually a strength it was a little bit depleted in that fourth quarter. So I see where they were coming from, but, again, I think at that point you play to win the game. Um, also, a uh, big Cardinals fan here as well, so hopefully they keep on their winning ways. And Adam Wainwright is a treasure. Hopefully he plays for two more years. But um, thanks for taking my call, and I look forward to, uh, seeing you all on the, the 9th of October, I'll be in Champaign for the first time ever, uh, so I'm pretty excited about that. Would you bring the Nebraska team with you? We might have a chance to read them. <laughs> Although, I don't well, know. They, play. <laughs> they got a tough one today, don't they? They they do, and, you know, the the, the interesting thing about Nebraska is it's kind of our, our only show, but I am not a Nebraska fan, so uh, most of the people around here don't invite me to do much on Saturdays because I'm not a Nebraska fan, so it's just kind of interesting, but um, I'm I'm all about the Illini. So, so did, you, uh, did you grow up in the state of Illinois, or how did you become an Illinois fan? I I have been, uh, I've been a Nebraska resident my entire life. Wow. Um, my dad was, my dad was from Texas. Uh, he just kind of raised us to not like Nebraska, <laughs> um, Illinois. Okay. I, I, Illinois is you know, um, I I dated a girl who uh, went to uh, Illinois, and so when I was dating her, I just kind of uh, picked up fandom for the Illini, and uh, we're still we're still friends, uh, remain in contact. But uh, I'm just, but I'm kind of a head head first, you know, both feet in type of person. And so when I started following the Illini, it was kind of all in. But I will say that I'm a Creighton basketball fan because uh, they're the they're the Big East private school here in Nebraska, and so I'm a Creighton basketball fan. But I watch every Illini basketball game as well, so there's room in my heart for both. So just kind of uh, how it is for me. But uh, I'm all about Illini football right now. So speaking about crazy fans, did you hear about the uh, another fan? Uh, I don't say another a fan. In Nebraska, has bought up all the tickets to make sure there's another sellout. Have you seen that? I did not see that. Yeah, this is the second time he's done that. Was that it? you, Josh, who did that? <laughs> uh, well, I'm a high school teacher, so I don't think they're interested <laughs> in my money. But uh, but it is interesting that the sellout streak here is kind of split 50-50. Most people think that it's, you know, 100% has to be protected at all costs. Yeah. And usually for First National Bank, is the one that uh, that buys up all the uh, leftover Nebraska football tickets. But they started this program to give uh, tickets to like underprivileged kids and so, kind of like what, you know, Illinois has a similar program. But Nebraska's is on a far bigger scale. Um, you know, you have 30 more thousand uh, tickets to get rid of. Uh, so it's just kind of interesting. But I don't know. I could see where the sellout streak ends pretty quickly, but um, but it won't happen this year because all the Big Ten games will be sold out for sure. So it's kind of interesting. But I look forward to look forward to continued success for the Illini, and hopefully, you know, the the staff has 
I like Brett Bielema. I'm buying what he's selling, so just kind of interesting that, you know, a lot of people are already down on the staff four games in. So, I don't know. Hey, Josh, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Well, I think Steve and hey, I both thank you. Yep. I think Steve and I both agree. I think Bielema is the right guy. I mean, I do he, too. I just don't – there aren't many people who could do this job, and he's he's got all the right approaches to everything. It's uh, You know, it's just – He's, his talent level is so far behind most other teams in the Big Ten. Remember what a um, wise old sage has said to you more times than you remember because you're looking at me like you don't have any idea what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and you're probably right. Maybe I don't have any idea. But with the criticism of the, the coaches and players and teams, and when it's an obvious rebuilding year, you've got to understand one thing. There are a lot of people that aren't, happy unless they're miserable <laughs> i love it that's great and uh there was a guy last night i don't, I don't listen i don't get a chance to listen to the local post-game call-in show much but on my five-minute drive home last night i heard a guy give his phone number to give his tickets away <laughs> <laughs> he gave his phone number on the air and while he was talking to scott and evan and, and michael martin he said hang on i gotta go i got a phone call <laughs> <laughs> it's like the guy that went out and put it, put his uh, four tickets on the hood of his car and he came back and there was eight <laughs> tickets there. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people aren't happy unless they're miserable. Let's uh, get some of these uh, high school scores in for you from last night. High school football, Muhammad Seymour over Lincoln, 53-22. Monticello rolling big, on. Big, big win for Monticello. That was a tough one. 32-27 over uh, Bloomington Central Catholic. Shelbyville beat Tuscola 26-21. St. Joe Ogden got a win over Chillicothe IVC 48-7. Prairie Central beat Rantoul 48-14. Riverview Lexington over Fisher 42-0. Gibson City Melvin Sibley beat uh, Leroy 14-7. Unity continues to roll. The Rockets 42-14 over Olympia. Arcola beat Cumberland 20-14. Not a good night for Champaign Centennial. They lost 40 to nothing to Kankakee. Uh, Sarah Gorda be meant to beat Sangamon Valley 46 nothing, and Atwood Hammond, Arthur Lovington over Tri County 41 to 14. Those are some of the scores. Complete coverage in the News Gazette this morning. Matt Daniels, Colin Likas, and, and if you didn't get the result of the game in your paper. You can get it on the wire. You can get it on the internet. Yep. So. And there'll be more coverage in the Sunday News Gazette of that. It was, it was a deadline. Uh, uh, there was not going to be an upset as far as whether it got in or out of the paper. With, no. especially when the uh, 8:05 start time with a slide slid <laughs> to 8:10, there was no chance. And uh, but they got a little bit in. They got some pictures in. Yeah, I, I mentioned I was sitting next to uh, Scott Ritchie, and I said. Scott, how late can you get something in? It was at that time it was ten forty six. He said we're done. Well, hopefully, time. and that game that game went quite a bit more. I don't uh, know this for sure. I'm knocking on wood, but I, I don't think there'll be another night game this season. But no, that's right. I, I, there oh, could be. We, we do have games to be determined. There is a night slot for Big Ten games, but uh, that might be it uh, for Illinois. We'll see. It is a 10:26 on the Lanai Pella Saturday Sports Talk, and the folks at the Pella Window Store in Champaign have, for a long time, been serving area residents and homeowners throughout the state of Illinois, and they want to help you find 
the perfect window or door, whether you're looking for new or replacement windows or doors, check out their showroom. That's where you need to go is go into the showroom at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign and see the products in person. They're open Monday through Friday by appointment on Saturday. But you'll discover the beauty of wood windows, the ease of those between the glass blinds, and the durability of fiberglass entry doors. Pella is rated number one by Champaign homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. So if you've been thinking about it, call the Pella experts because they know all about what type of window or door will work best for each unique home and project. And working with them at Illini Pella is an easy process from start to finish. They'll be there to help you along the way from the shopping to the installation. The uh, showroom is the place to be at 1001 North Country Fair Drive. You can call them at 356-6474 or uh, check them out online at PellaOfChampagne.com. It is 1027. We'll take a quick break and be back with more. Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're here until 1045 this morning, and we're back after this. Moving up on 1030, this is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly, and we're with you until 1045 this morning due to Illinois Volleyball. Glad to have you along, and uh, it's Hall of Fame weekend here at the University of Illinois. We've had uh, some former players on, and we've got another one on the line with us now. Played linebacker here back in uh, the day, back in the mid-70s, and linebacker with the Minnesota Vikings for 14 years. Scott Studwell is with us on the phone. Good morning, Scott. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, thanks. How are you? Good. You've got a book out, My Life as a Viking. Tell us about that, how that came about, uh, Viking for Life by Triumph Books. Tell us about that a little bit, if you would. Well, it's it was a... Uh a gentleman by the name of Jim Bruton, who is a, a friend of mine and um, has written a number of books about the Twin Cities uh, sports scene, uh, approached me uh, maybe a year and a half ago or so and wanted to do a book. And I really didn't have any intention of doing it, but because of my friendship with him, um we went ahead and did it um and it was you know it was a lot of fun it was uh fun to kind of go back and 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 remember all the times uh as a player and in the front office and um you know the the one good thing about the book is all the proceeds are going back to charities um uh, to the vikings foundation um, just because of my relationship with the organization uh, for the last 45 years or so, so um, it was it was fun and it was um, uh, I don't think I would do another one, but uh, I enjoyed it and hopefully it it'll shed some light on uh, obviously my career and uh, my career and. Uh, the scouting profession and uh, just how we go about doing things there. Well, you played 14 years with the Vikings, and then, as you mentioned, you stayed with them in the various roles after that. 45 years with the same organization. That uh, I don't think that's happening too much around the NFL, is it? Well, uh, probably not. 
Um, I know there were some Jerry Reichow and Frank Gilliam were, were with the team for a number of years. Um, and it's, you know, but I was very fortunate uh, to be able to play there, uh, obviously, and then stay there in, in, in a different capacity. And, and uh, they put up with me for 42 years. And, um, and finally, when it was, it was time to walk away, uh, you know, it was with a lot of mixed emotions, but, you know, it was time to spend more time with my family and, and, uh, see more of, of my kids and my grandkids and, and my wife. And so, you know, the timing was, was, was right. Um, uh, I still loved the, the game. I still loved the people that worked there and, but it was time to move on. Stud, this is Lauren. Uh, tell, how'd you come out health-wise? You, I, I know you played with a lot of durability. Uh, how'd you come out? Well, you, you know, knock on wood, I think I'm I'm doing pretty well. Um, uh, you know, I do have a lot of some chronic neck stuff, but you know, which really basically started at Illinois. Um, but, uh, other than that, you know, I mean, uh, I don't have any artificial joints and, and, uh, you know, I can still, I can't run anymore, but I still go to the gym and, and work out, uh, almost every day when I'm in town. Um, so, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I think I'm still thinking fairly clearly. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's. It's, I've been lucky that way. You, you know, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of uh, coaches and teammates pass away that, that I played with. Um, you know, recently, Mick Tinglehoff just passed away, and Steve Riley just passed away, and one of my coaches, Floyd Reese, passed away, Matt Blair, uh, you know, some guys that that I played with. So it's, it's sad uh, to see that happen, and you know, unfortunately, a lot of these guys are getting older, and so it's probably going to be more frequent than not, but, um, you know, knock on wood, I, I came out of the game pretty healthy. Stud, you, your career was basically made, if, if I can guess at this, between your sophomore and junior year when you reduced your size, you reduced your weight and became a linebacker instead of a defensive tackle. How did that come about? What made you do that? Well, you know, I mean, I, I was recruited as a linebacker um, and, and was a linebacker uh, early on. Uh, they tried me, at, they wanted to try me at tight end. I uh, remember back, back in 77, they had a freshman team uh, as well as the varsity. Uh, it was the first year that freshmen could play on the varsity. So, you know, I, I did get into a couple games as a special teamer and and uh then they kind of kicked me down to a defensive end and and then I continued to get bigger um probably not good weight but um and then was moved inside the defensive tackle uh, which I played one year as a as a sophomore um and then I tore my knee up I tore my MCL in the spring game uh, after my sophomore season and had to sit out a year and they 
they moved me back to linebacker, so the injury was probably a blessing in disguise. Um, I dropped all the weight, got back in shape, and uh, basically the rest was history. Yeah, and you wound up playing in the NFL at a unusually low weight for a linebacker. What did you weigh most of the time when you played for the Vikings? Oh, I was probably 235 okay. uh, to 240. I thought you were uh, less you know, than towards that. The end, well, towards the end, I was probably 220, 225, uh, just because, number one, I couldn't run anymore, and, and I was trying to – maintain what little speed I had. So, uh, you know, I thought the lighter weight would help. But, uh, you know, I mean, it was it was back back in those days. Um, you know, I think that was a fairly average weight for most of the linebackers in the league. Um, you know, they were bigger and heavier, uh, the, the players that, that preceded me. But, um, you know, I, I think it was a good weight, and it, I never really had a problem with it, and I'm about 220, 225 right now. So, uh, you know, I've been able to maintain that. Stud, you know uh, Viking history, and when I think about the Vikings, I always think about the most underrated Illinois player I ever saw. His name was Bill Brown, and he was a fullback and a half, wasn't he? Yeah, he was a great player, you know, um, you know, Brownie obviously was, was done playing before I got there, but uh, just a, quite a character, um, you, you know, just did all the dirty work, had great ball skills, uh, you know, had probably some of the best hands of anybody on the team when he was playing. Uh, he was tough as nails. Um, he's one of those guys that, Maybe he did, but he could. He would have played without a face mask. Um, you know, he was just, and uh, you know, he he's obviously passed away a, a few years ago as well. But um, you know, I think a very underrated player, uh, not only for Illinois but for us as well. Um, did all the dirty work, uh, and 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 found a great niche in the league as, as a player. Here's a loaded question. Who was the best defensive player for the Vikings that you played with? Oh, my. Um, you got you the know, Purple I, People I, leaders there. The Purple People leaders were, were still playing, I mean, with the exception of Gary Larson uh, when I first got there. But, you know, they were – they were towards the tail end of their careers. So, um, you know, uh, that would be a – I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I know some of those guys probably would have been at the top of the list. Uh, obviously, you know, with Alan Page being the MVP in the league. Um, but, you know, I mean, uh, probably Joey Browner, um, who was, you know – unbelievable player in, in his day uh you know here here's a guy that was 220 225 pounds uh could run like a deer uh, could could hit and, and play and stack the box like a linebacker uh just had just phenomenal physical ability um you know he would probably be close to the top of the list um 
you know, Keith Millard was a tremendous player uh, in his in his prime. Chris Dolman was was a great player. Uh, so I mean, I played with a lot of them, and it, to be honest with you, it would be really hard to single out that one that one particular guy who was uh, above everybody else. Well, congrats to you. You rank with the best of them, Stud. Hey, we appreciate your time. Well, and uh, I appreciate it, Lauren. We'll, uh, we'll do it again. We have a little more time to talk. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, I'll come down and see you guys as soon as I get a chance. We'll do it. All Thank right. you. We look forward to that. All right. Scott All right. Studwell with us. His book is called Viking for Life by Triumph Books. As he said, the uh, proceeds going for charity in the... Uh, Minneapolis area. That's going to take care of Saturday Sports Talk today. We've got By the way, it's interesting. We had two guys from Evansville today. Yes, they're right. Hardy Kevin. and Studwell. That's right. And uh, Illinois Volleyball is coming up next. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.